Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When God says go, we go. That we would deal with sin, that we wouldn't have friendships with those that don't belong to the Lord, those that don't know God. To those in our lives that don't know God, we're a witness to them. But we can't be walking together. There can't be unity together. They can't be finding comfort and safety under your roof with their sin. This guy was going to bring his sin under their tent. I'm going to hide from your God in your tent. May that not be the case for anybody here. As Christians in our current society, it's safe to say that most of us have relationship with those who don't have Jesus in their life. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that it's important to be a witness to those who don't yet know him. But God is expecting you to center your relationships around him. The closer you get to those that don't follow him, the further you fall from God's presence. Show God's love to everyone in your life, but he is calling you to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Verse 15, it says, And so she she tells him, up, get up, let's go. And uh, verse 16, it says, And the Lord rooted Sisera, and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. And so God is already involved. God's going to be the one to give them the victory. God rooted the chariots the way that they needed to go. Sisera is the leader. He's the one that needs to, that, that they need to capture and get. And he realizes that things are not going well in the battle. So he gets off on foot and he takes off. It says in verse 16, but Barak pursued the chariots. And the army as far as Harasheth had Goyim, and all the army of Sisera, Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So they slaughtered the entire army. Everybody died. I mean, they had a, they had an awesome victory there. And I, I think it's important to note with every victory we see in Scripture, that victory didn't come at the hand of Barak and his team. It wasn't because they were so strong. It wasn't because they had so much faith. It was because God said he was going to do it. And as they stepped out in obedient faith, God did what he said he would do. Much like our lives, there are things that there are victories that God wants us to have that we only need to step out for them. God's like, I, I said I would do it. And if you would just step out in obedience, if you would just believe me for it, for it, believe me and, and walk in the way I tell you to walk, God said, I, I would do it. There are things that God wants to do. And I believe with regard to, you know, there's there may be areas of your life where you're like, man, I really want a victory here. Like. How do you begin to have victory in an area where you've been defeated previously? How do you have victory over the things that have had dominion over you previously? You just begin to walk in obedience to the word. And you find this. As you walk in obedience to the word, God will empower your steps. He empowers the steps that you're taking in obedience. Sometimes we're waiting for, I'm waiting to feel different. You ain't going to feel different. You got to do different. I'm waiting for God. I want to feel a warm fuzzy. I didn't feel anything yet. You know, I want, I want a prayer where I feel zapped. You know, God's like, that's not how it works. You just start stepping different and you'll find that, wow, with each step that, I, that I'm choosing to obey God, God's empowering my ability to keep making those steps. And before you know it, you'll be way down the street looking back at an old version of you having victory, not because you're awesome, but because God's faithful. And so Barrett gets his victory because he did go. He went. He went in faith. He went in obedience. Even though he had to be prodded and pushed and exhorted by Deborah, he went. And because he went, because he stepped out, because he went and he took what God said, take, 
he's having the victory. And so verse 17, it says, however, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So we have another situation here where there's a man and a woman situation, a little different. Now, I got to explain the area that they're from, Jael and Heber. They're in an area of Israel where it's a Bedouin community. It's a Bedouin area. And for you guys that maybe don't know what that is, I I went to Israel and I actually stayed two nights at a Bedouin um, area. And they still function like this today. So the Bedouins are a group of people that actually live outside um, they're they're trackers. They're they're used when if you're looking for a, somebody went through our town. These were the people that would hop on camels and go track them down and find them. That was their That's what they're known for. That's their gift. Today in Israel, they they still live in outdoor tent areas. You'll just see, you know, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, the, the ears for, you know, TV or whatever sticking out. But they're they live in outdoor tents in this way. Now, in this community. These are wrong. These are wrong things. These are not Christian or believer practice, but this is what they would practice that the men in these communities and the men that were over the Bedouin communities. Each of these guys over their lifetime would take four wives. Um, The first wife they would pick, they would look for a strong wife, Um, (laughs) a big biceps or a, a big back or something. But in this it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. But in this community. They the women would set up and tear down the tents. They did all they do all the physical labor. And I kid you not, the men sit around, they drink this really nasty coffee um, until they go out on their ventures and come back. The women do everything. They cook, they set up and all the things that you would look at. Anybody ever seen a, a guy in a car with a girl and a girl pumping gas? And you like, I've I, I went and said something before. I'm like, man, that's I just make me sick, man. I'm like, you need, you'll sit down and have him get out and pump that gas, man. Anyway, uh, unless he's handicapped and he can't get out, that's, that's unacceptable. Don't do that mess, you know. But in this area, that's what it's like. It's uh, it's it's not a right thing. And so, so there'd be the first wife would be strong one, then a second one for children, and the, uh, you know, I forget the third one, the fourth one was, and for your old age, and she was simply for looks and pleasure, or whatever. She didn't do any work, and that was. You know, that was how they do their thing. They actually make fun of American weddings or American marriages um, for other reasons. I won't get into all that. So um, here's the point. J.L. is probably the wife. She's, she's the wife. She probably takes care of the tent and all this kind of stuff, set it up, tearing it down. And that would have been probably something that she was doing uh, there. Now, her husband has a an alliance with this pagan leader that's coming. He's friends with this guy. He shouldn't be, but he is. She don't feel the same way. She understands that he's the enemy and she's going to understand when she sees them that he's been chased out. Here's another thing. The tent that JL is in is the woman's quarters. Men don't come into the women's tent. It's the woman's tent. She would be called out to go be with her husband in his tent, but men did not go into the women's tent whatsoever. That was that was high level. You know, you were breaking a lot of rules and a lot of cultural OK's that would make her and him look bad. That was more of a that would make her look like a the women that sell themselves like that. So um, so I just want to lay that out because she's going to have him into her tent. And I want you to understand that she's breaking some rules, but we'll see that she has intent in what she does. But 
I should say this. So here again, we have a situation where you got a, a husband and wife where the wife understands that this guy is not a believer. This guy is with the enemy, that, that, that this guy is on the run and, and he's time for him. It's his time is run. His time has run out. But she knows that my husband is his friend. So she actually takes advantage of the fact that it's, her husband is his friend to, to, to take care of him. Now, well, let's look at it and we'll, we'll decide whether it's right or wrong what she does. So um, Cicero had fled away on foot. It says he went to the to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Why would she why would he go there? Why would he feel comfortable going there? Because there is peace between Jabin, king of Hazor and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Cicero and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave uh, him a drink and covered him. Now, if you're thirsty, we all understand that water would quench our thirst. Amen. So water does. Now we're in the Middle East. We don't have refrigeration. When you get out a jug of milk, it, it's, it's actually it's, it's warm. It's, it's not room tip. It's hot. And it curds. And so what happens when you drink warm milk? That's what you do to somebody that's trying to go to bed. Just, just warm your insides up, get you nice and cozy. So she takes some She He said, give me some water. He said, I got better. And she gives him milk. It's not an accident. I don't believe these are these. Are, I think she could have gave him water, but she's not intending to quench his thirst. And so she doesn't give him water. She gets a jug of milk and gave him a drink. And then she covered him up. Verse 20. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say no. Now, why does he feel like he can tell her what to do in her tent? I'll explain why. He used to be where they where they lived before. Previously, he reigned. He was he was the boss. He was over them. That's why her husband has a friendship with him. And so if you can imagine from from the old life, everybody here has a, a old life. Unless you're still living in an old life. Everybody here has a, the life before Christ and now you have life in Christ. And so it would be like something that had dominion over you in the past, in the past, you know, coming back into your life and taking over, you know, saying, hey, just do it. I'm used to bossing you. I'm used to running things here and just coming back in. And so he comes and says, hey, stand in the tent door. And then if anybody comes to action, somebody here, say no. And just tell just in her tent. Telling her what to do, but she not the she she not she don't see herself as under him anymore. And Sisera is a awesome is in typology. He would be a type of sin, and sin is gonna. Where does where does our sin get? What did God do to our sin? He nailed it to the cross, right? He penalized it. He dealt with it. It got dealt with. Sisera would be a type of that type of sin. Used to have dominion over us, but it's not supposed to have dominion over us anymore. Uh, he comes in. He says, hey, stand in the door. Somebody come. You lie for me. You tell lies. For me. You do what I tell you to do. You cover me. You make sure I'm going to be OK. You take care of me. Typically, for anybody here that's been in sin, um, we, we cover sin. Sin's usually a lot of times sin is stuff that's embarrassing. You hide it. You cover it up. Even when you're a kid, you start getting the stuff you're not getting. You cover it up. You hide it from your parents. You grow up and get into sin. There's always somebody you hide your sin from. That's that's almost always an indicator that you're doing something wrong when you got to hide it. And whenever you see a kid, they, they, they do like that real quick when you come in. You know, freeze. 
I know you're doing something bad, right? Freeze, freeze, freeze. Why? Because you don't react like that unless you're doing something wrong, you know? There are people that behave so badly when the cops get behind them that they know, like, something wrong. Look at they, 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 they looking back. They look back 20 times in 20 seconds. They guilty of something. Pull them over, you know? You know, sin makes you behave that way. You, you just know. And so he tells her, you know, somebody asks if, I'm, if someone's here, you say no. Verse 21. Then J.L., Heber's wife, uh, took a hammer in her hand and she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. So she goes in quietly, all tiptoe, all gentle. Probably had her slippers on or whatever you were back then. A tent peg is it would have been the same thing when we talk about when they say, you know, that Jesus was nailed to the cross. It wasn't nails, you know, like little little nails from the hardware store. It was, it was like a tent peg. It was a big peg. And so it's, it's the same sort of instrument. And she takes it and she sits it on his temple. And again, we believe that this was the wife that was putting up and tearing down the tent. So she she know how to use the hammer. And the, she, probably, she probably did it in one smack. And she just went smack. That was it. And it said it went through him and into the into the dirt and he was fast asleep. And so, um, you know, there it is. Now, what she does to him is, is what should have been done. Now, here we go. What's her husband going to say? Right. He came to her house because her husband and him, they were they were cool. And he thought I could, you know, because we're cool, I could I could come to your wife and she'll cover me. And so, again, I would say this to the wives. Um. I would say to the husbands, hopefully, you know, there's there's enough of us walking in the light that our wives aren't we're, we're not bringing our wife into darkness with us. Um, I hate to hear of a Christian man and his wife is telling lies for him to, to tell him I'm not here. People do that with their kids. You know, there's a little bitty thing. No, it's not. Tell him I'm busy. Tell him no. Don't answer. But don't lie. You know, don't 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 use your leadership like that. Don't have your woman, your wife, your children, or those that are under your leadership feeling like I have to sin to cover my dad. I have to sin to, to do what my dad wants. You should be leading your family in such a way that you got to walk in righteousness to please dad. That that's what that's what that's what dad is pleased with when you walk upright, when you're living before the Lord, your wife would know that about about you. And so um, but she's living in a situation where she, despite her husband, right, despite his affinity for and friendship with this person that they shouldn't have had a relationship with, he shouldn't have felt comfortable coming into their tent. Well, she did it anyway. There's a peg in his head. You can't turn the clock, you can't turn the clock back. When her husband come home, she can't say, how do you feel about that? You know, she didn't, she didn't, she didn't wait for permission. She just said, no, that's, this is what should happen to that. I will just say that there is a place, um, um, as much as, I mean, I'm a husband and I, I believe in the biblical roles and women submitting to their husbands and all those things, but I believe I have a wife and I believe that if I got off and I start tripping that she should honor God with her life and, and, and wait for me to catch up. I don't believe that she should hold back. I don't believe that she should fall backwards in her walk with the Lord or, or enter into things that she shouldn't enter into or in, invite or, or, you know, that she would entertain things that she shouldn't be entertaining because, because I'm not right. I believe that she have a walk with the Lord and and I wouldn't expect less of that. I expect that that same for my kids. I expect my kids to submit and to be obedient. But if I get off and we start tripping, um, I would like to think that they would go on with the Lord and just say, man, dad's tripping. That's not you. You're not right. 
you know. Uh, but what, it, what, what a wonderful thing it would be if the men would be right and that the wives could be looking at a man and they say, man, he, he wants the right things. I want the same things that he wants and the kids will follow suit. Everybody wants to please the Lord. That's really the goal. The goal would be that everybody in a family would be looking to the Lord and just, we just want to please the Lord. And dad would be leading in that way. Mom would be following in that way. And the kids would be following mom and dad in that way. And the Lord would be pleased with every single one of us. That is the goal and that is the aim. But whenever there's a break, a break in the kink along the way, if there's a break in the kink along the way, you honor God. You know, if you're a child and you want to follow. I've had, I did high school ministry for years. And I, of course, I would teach kids what the Bible says, honor your parents, obey and honor your mother and father. But I had instances where I had kids that had come into a relationship with the Lord, but they had a mom or a dad who didn't believe. And they were saying, you know, I want to go be in fellowship. I need it. I need to be built up in my walk. I want to go to church on Sundays. And my mom is getting upset. And my mom is saying, I'm spending too much time here. And so I had one kid who I met with him and he's like, my mom is saying I'm spending too much time. She just really doesn't want me here because my family, they want us to be Catholic, but I want to be Christian and they don't want me here. And they're coming up with all these different things. I said, this is what you do. For six days a week, you do whatever they want. You, you do every chore. You be home. You do whatever mom wants. You, 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 you serve her so you can have that two-hour stretch on Sunday. to be. If that's her complaint, then you make sure that for the rest of the week that she would appreciate what's happening in your life all those six days where she might reconsider why you might need to be here on, on, Saturday, on Sunday. You know? and, but I told him, I said, I want you to submit. But at a point, you know, what do you tell a kid at a point? Do you say, do I say at a point, you know what, you just you just don't go. I can't tell him that. You know, I can't tell him, you know, at a point, do you just not read your Bible? No, I'm not going to. Ah, at that point, when it comes to that, I'm going to say, you know what, honor God and we'll pray for it. We'll pray. Pray for the outcome. Thankfully, in that instance, uh, you know, his witness was so strong the rest of the week that she 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 relented and she allowed him to go and, and come. Eventually, his brother came with him. Uh, and I left, so I don't know, you know, how much further it went. I hope mom eventually followed too, you know. But those are those are challenging things. Um, we want to be submitted to the Lord. And that's that's the that should be the heart for all of us. At the end of the day, we want to end up submitting to and following the Lord and being obedient. And so um, now it says in verse twenty-two, and then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, "Come, I will show you the man whom you seek." And when he went into the tent, there he lay, uh, there lay Sisera. So uh, she knew when Barak was coming that he was looking for him. She said, hey, come here, come here. I got it. I know, I know what you're looking for. Come into my tent. And she showed him there, you know, nailed to the floor with a tent stake in his head. And um, I was, this is the imagery I had. You know, she basically, you know, I look at this in, in the same way we would look to the cross where our sins is nailed to the cross. It's done. It's finished. You know, as, as Barak is running through trying to find this guy, where is he at? You know, where's this? We need to get we need to get him dealt with. She's like, there he is. It's done. It is. You know, I think of the Good Friday. You know, it is finished. It's a wrap. He he won't be having dominion over anybody anymore. He's he's nailed to the floor. Same thing Jesus did at the cross with our sin and the penalty for our sin. He's nailed it to the cross. And there was a finality to how it was dealt with. Verse 23. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin of Canaan until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. And so God gives them this great victory. Uh, once again, the, the lessons from this chapter to me are this for Barak 
And I, again, I would say to all the men, we don't want to follow his early example, right? Where God had spoken, but he didn't listen. And God had to come back again prophetically and exhort him. And he would only be willing to listen under certain terms. Uh, to every man and woman, I would say we should all be obedient to the word of the Lord because it's God. God, you said so. We, 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 you said it. We believe it. That should be enough for us. There shouldn't be conditions. We shouldn't be putting conditions on the Lord. God, I'll do what you say if you do this first. God, I know you want me to do that. So if you do this first, I'm going to tell you that's a wrong way to approach the Lord. You know, if he's the Lord, um, we just want to do what he says. I guarantee none of your kids. If you call your kid to the room and said, son, I want you to go and take out the trash. Well, mom, I'll take out the trash if you cook some chicken. Right. I don't I don't believe maybe some special parents here, but I don't believe most of y'all will go for that. You know, you you go take out the trash or, you know, I'll fry you, you know, whatever. So um, we wouldn't have that. It's, we shouldn't think that the Lord would have that either. He's not having that. Right. We obey him because he's the Lord. Uh, next, we look at Deborah and Deborah, who as a lady in her era, in her time, had her own walk, her own relationship and her own gifts. And God was using her mightily. Uh, it says that people were coming. I just the imagery I get is that she's sitting under this palm tree and people are just coming to her all day and she's giving wisdom and she's giving counsel and she's giving the word of the Lord. And so I would exhort the women here. And this could be true for men, too. But as you know, maybe you're not a prophetess, but you just be a woman of the word. You be a woman that's knowledgeable of the word of God, that you've sown in the word of God. And there'll be people coming all day. You know, there'll be friends and there'll be children and there'll be different people and you'll be able to speak to them the word of truth, the word of God. People walk away with answers. They'll walk away with, with, with counsel that comes from the Lord and, and not just some old gibberish, some old, you know, what I would do if I was you, girl, you know, some of that stuff. But they'll have some, you know, you could be offering something eternal and life changing. And so um, I would exhort and encourage you guys, you know, to, to have have the word of God, have it have it. And you sow it in your heart, sow it in your mind, know it, uh, let it be a resource to you. Then um, the next couple, as we looked at Jabin, I'm sorry, um, JL and her husband. Um, again, I look at her and I think, you know, unfortunately, her husband was had a, a friendship where he shouldn't. Um, he, he was open where he shouldn't have been open. Um, and in that position, you know, she honored the Lord. You know, she went ahead and put it into it. And. I believe that all of us here should find our ultimate submission is to the Lord. And that's where we want to be. We want to be a, a people that are submitted to the Lord where we do what God wants. Because because of what she did, it, it was over with. You know, the guy did, it died. The prophetic word that came through Deborah that told Barak that, you know what, because you wouldn't just go at the word of God, you're going to go, but you're not going to have any glory. God's going to deliver this dude into a woman. Uh, and, and JL ends up being that woman, you know, in her tent with a temp peg in his head. And so summary, as we summarize the chapter, I believe uh, there's an overwhelming lesson. It's, it's that we would be a people that when God speaks, we obey. When God says, go, we go. That we would deal with sin, that we wouldn't have friendships with those that don't belong to the Lord, those that don't know God. To those in our lives that don't know God, we're a witness to them. But we can't be walking together. There can't be unity together. They can't be finding comfort and safety under your roof with their sin. This guy was going to bring his sin under their tent. I'm going to hide from your God in your tent. May that not be the case for anybody here. May there not be those belonging to the enemy that are saying, I'm finding 
refuge from God with you. I hope they would find the Lord when they come to us. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and he cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Word.